Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Okay, so this evening um, we are going to look at uh, the big question. And essentially we are speaking to men. So we're going to use the scriptures in that context, uh, speaking to men. It's important for us to understand that there is a unique purpose. That God did not create us um, as men just because... Uh, the women were so much and he wanted to balance the equation. That there's something unique, there's something distant, there's something divine about us. I'd like to start with a quote by William Lane Craig, one of the best Christian philosophers and thinkers of our day. I'd like to start with a quote and that will form the basis of our talk. He says, now, when I use the word God in this context, I'm, I'm reading from his book on God by William Lane Craig, Defending Your Faith with Reason and Precision. It says, now, when I use the word God in this context, I mean an all-powerful, perfectly good creator of the world who offers us eternal life. If such a God does not exist, then life is absurd. That is to say, life has no ultimate meaning, value, or purpose. These three notions, meaning, value, and purpose, though closely related, are distinct. Meaning has to do with significance. I want you to note that. If you're writing, you, you have to write that down. Meaning has to do with significance. Why something matters. Value has to do with good and evil, right or wrong. Purpose has to do with a goal or reason for something. So he says, um, meaning has to do with significance. As a man, what gives you significance? What gives you meaning? We cannot run away as men from the definition of meaning. Some men define meaning based on their material accusations. But Jesus clearly told us that life does not consist in the abundance of what a man possesses. Am I right? So if as a man... Your significance is derived by what you have. Do you know you can forsake your family just to have more money? Right? That's going to determine all your choices. What's going to determine your choices of friends? The ones that will be able to give you opportunities for more money. Is, is making more money wrong? No, absolutely no. But if that is what gives you meaning, then your pursuit will be wrong. So we must always ask ourselves as men, what gives us meaning? Number two, values, our sense of right or wrong. Do we allow the scriptures to become the final authority when we judge what is right and what is wrong? Or do we allow the circle of our friends? Or do we allow society? Or do we allow our own ambitions to define what is right and what is wrong to us? Number three, purpose. Purpose has to do with a goal, a reason for something. Have you ever asked yourself, why am I here? You see, these are fundamental questions that will shape everything about us that defines us as what? As men. I'll, I'll take this last paragraph by William Lane Craig and then we go into the scriptures. My claim is that if there is no God, then meaning, value and purpose are ultimately human illusions. They are just in our heads. If atheism is true, atheism is when you say there is no God, then life is really objectively meaningless, valueless, and purposeless, despite our subjective beliefs to the contrary. And the reason I picked this and I wanted to start from there is that these are very key things we must always talk about. Meaning, meaning, value, and purpose. So, we're looking at the big question. The big question. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to teach for about 40, 45 minutes, and then we'll have some time for questions. Genesis chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the scripture says, In the beginning 
God created the heavens and the earth. This tells us a statement of intent. This tells us intentionality. So, of course, we're believers, so we know the world didn't come by evolution. So, this tells us that at a point in time, a God who is timeless, who lives in eternity, decided to create the whole earth. So, the material universe, the heavens, the earth, the stars, and all that that we see, is intentional by God. So, material things were created by God. And, of course, whatever we have in terms of this chair, the microphone, the clothes we put on, came out of whatever God created. So, the first thing I want you to observe about this is the intentionality of God in creation. Genesis chapter 1. Now, go to verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the beds of the earth, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that God created on the earth. Now, you can use this to refer to the creation of humankind, which is fantastic and is also correct. But we're zeroing on, on the fact uh, that we're men, okay? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them. Verse 28, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the beds of the earth, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, if you study carefully the account of creation, you will find out that for every, for instance, if you go to Genesis chapter 1, and you start reading, uh, let's, let's take an example, verse 10, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then, the, then God said, verse 11, Let the earth bring forth grass. Let the earth bring forth grass. And then if you go down, you begin to discover that every habitat that God created, God demanded something to come out of it. So from the earth, He created grass. From the sea, the fishes came. And all of these were designed to live within the context of that habitat. Okay? We all know that if you take fish out of water, then it's not going to survive. Now, we know that there are certain plants that grow on water. Now, because you say, oh, these plants grow on water, you just decide in your own wisdom that you want to plant them in your backyard. Will they survive? They wouldn't. Why wouldn't they survive? Hey, come on, talk to me. Why will they not survive? You have taken them out of where? The zone that they were created to function. Now, this is important. It will lead us into what we're discussing. Now, go to verse 5. Genesis 2, 5. Before any plant of the field was on the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. There was no man to till the ground. So water, verse 4 tells us that what the, the mist was coming out to just water the earth. That's verse 6, sorry. But the mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Go to verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man, look at this, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Verse 16, look at this carefully. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, three things I want you to pick from that verse. Number one, God gave man a sense of accountability, a sense of responsibility. Now, I want you to observe something carefully, and please follow me. This was before God gave man a wife. So, we're, we're dealing with man now, alone, as a man. The first thing God did is, number one, and the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. So we understand carefully that work was not because man sinned. That's very important. Our approach as men to work should not be an approach of punishment. 
You know, sometimes we see it like, because of the society we live in, we see it like if we're going to work, you know, you hear people say, you can never work for another man and become a millionaire. Have you heard that before? Or they say, if you're still working for another man, it's because you're not dreaming high. Have you heard that before? And what does that make us feel about our work? How does that make us feel about our work? Like, we are slaving for someone to make money, right? And we are suffering. But what do you think is God's perspective to work? He says, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. So, as godly men, our definition of work should completely be different. That work is one of the things given to us as a tool to express significance. So if I get up to go to work in the morning, I'm not going with the feeling that, oh, if I were a billionaire, I would not go to work. Hey, come on. Hello, are we together? Did Adam need money? Hey, was Adam, did Adam need money? Here, right here. Did he need money? No wife. Hello. No child. All in a garden all by himself with four rivers watering it. Animals for companions. Food everywhere. So why did God give him work? Why did God give him work? Can you find that there is no way Adam would give expression to the image of God if he wasn't working? Because in the beginning, God created. How will Adam be able, be able to create if he doesn't work? So, your going to work is an expression of your image of God in your creative abilities. And this will radically change our approach to work. So, when you go to work as an engineer, you are going there representing God as an engineer. That's why when people say, oh, I'm doing this work, the money is never enough. It is never about the money. Do we want to earn so much? Oh, absolutely. Can we make do with a few more million dollars? Absolutely. But work primarily was given to us as an expression of the creativity of God. How did we buy these chairs? Now we had plastic chairs before. How did we buy these chairs? Somebody went and expressed these chairs. How many of you know sometime in church, some time ago, we were using benches in church? Are you right? We were using benches in church. How many of you know this is more comfortable than benches? And how many of you know God wants us a bit comfortable? So what happened? That creative ability was locked up in people and they began to express it. I want us as people in this society to change our approach to work. When you sit with men, what do they complain about the most? Their work. Am I right? Yeah. Because our approach to work is, is about money. Somebody's using us. I love what my mentor used to say. He said, if nobody's using you, then you are useless. They should use you. That's what makes you a human being. We keep having all of these attitudes to work. I mean, the day I got this revelation, my attitude to work completely changed. That this man was not in need. But God says, there's a garden there, take care of it. First assignment. How many of you know God didn't even tell him pray? He just said, hey, go work. <laughs> okay. Number two, look at this. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. God gave him instructions and boundaries. That, I want you to write the word responsibility. God gave him a responsibility. I'll just say something here. The big question is a question of relationship. We're going to go there. The question of relationship and the question of responsibility. But what I have observed is that a lot of us take the question of responsibility a bit more serious than the question of relationship. 
But the question of responsibility comes because we have a relationship. And I'll show you. You, you understand as we go on. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Do you know what this tells me right here? If a man is in relationship with God, and if he is functioning the way he should function, even the things he did not ask for, God will bring it to him. Do you know what the Bible tells us about the blessings in Deuteronomy 28? It says they will come and overtake you. Was Adam praying for a wife? Hello? Was Adam praying for a wife? No. Who said Adam needed a wife? God. The Bible says our Heavenly Father knows what we need. Sometimes we leave the things that God is giving to us and we're just asking for things and asking for things and asking for things. But I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt that if a man knows how to walk in relationship with God, some of the things you never even know that you need, God will bring them to you. But let's now begin to progress to the point where God asked Adam the question. In Genesis chapter 3, and verse, you know what happened? Eve went fellowship with Adam. The scripture says that Satan beguiled her mind, dealt with her on her mind, so she went fellowship with Adam. Now, I'm not going to go through the theological discourse whether they ate apple. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what it is, but <laughs> I don't know. So that's not, that's not my, my, my topic. Say, Pastor, I really want to find that. I've been confused about this thing. You just keep your confusion. At least it's been there for the last 15 years. It can survive one more year. <laughs> keep it in next year. Genesis 3 now. Verse 7. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. With her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Okay, but if you backtrack a bit, do you remember in verse 20, verse 19 and verse 20, God brought all the animals for Adam to name? Alright? Fantastic exercise. God brought all the animals and says, give them name. That was great. So you know what? God could trust Adam to give names accurately to the animals the way he would name them. How did God trust Adam this way? Because relationship. Relationship. Are you full? If I don't, if I, if I give birth to a baby now, or I did something, I say, hey, I want you to name the baby. You know, that's a privilege. Because if you decide to call the baby Camel, what am I going to do? You know, but I trust that not only do you have the good intention, you know what names I would like. So we can see in the life of Adam that primarily there was a very strong relationship. Let's go on. Verse where now? Verse what are we? Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they stood fig trees together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now. If they heard the sound of the Lord in the evening, it means, or in the cool of the day, the scripture says, it means that it is something they were used to. Right? Let's think. I want us to think. Right? If I heard my brother call me and calls my name, or I heard his footstep, and I say, oh, that's my brother. It means that it's not the first time I'm hearing the footstep. Am I right? So that means they have been having these conversations and this relationship with God. Okay. Now, go on. It says, And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So, why did they hide? This was the same Adam that God was giving instructions. I want you to see something. I want you to observe how the people of old interacted with God. 
How Abraham interacted with God. How Jacob interacted with God. How Moses interacted with God. They interacted with God on a very personal level. They talked with God as if they were talking to their own friends. They talked with God in a very deep and detailed manner. They asked God very practical questions. And here we find out that Adam and his wife began to hide in the trees. So instead of the presence of God bringing joy to them, it began to bring fear because something had gone wrong. Now go to the next verse. Look at this. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? That's the big question. Where are you? Now, I want to ask you another question. When God said, Where are you? Is it because God did not know where Adam was hiding? God knew. Look at the response. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, who is this? what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, I want you to begin to observe something right now. And it's very key. Man misses it. He goes back to God and blames God for the woman. And yet, this was the same man that says, when she saw woman, she said, wow. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she is the mother of all living. Now, the God talks to the woman, the woman blames the serpent. Now understand something is going on here. Something is going on here. What is the first thing that God gave to man? Work, responsibility. You observe what is going on right here now? Man is beginning to shift blames. Man is beginning to absorb himself of responsibility. And I tell you, saints of God, that is something we must, as men, never do. We never come to the place where we push responsibilities away from us. If there's something wrong in your office, you be the man that stays back to fix it. If there's something wrong financially in your home, you stand up and take charge and fix it. There are too many blamers all around who call themselves godly men. We blame the economy. We blame the course we read in school. We blame the wife we married. We blame our parents. We blame our mothers. In the blame game, nobody ever wins. A godly man is a man who stands up and takes responsibility. And I'll tell you something here that I found interesting. You know, after God said all of these words, you know what God did? You know what God did? Very interesting. He drove Adam and the wife out of the garden. Do you know why? Do you know why God drove Adam and the wife out of the garden? Because we just read, hey, come on, we just read it. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 2, sorry. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. The garden was man's responsibility. And I've heard people say, well, you know, people say all kinds of things. Eve went, after Eve has seen, he now came to Adam. And you know, Adam did not know what he would do. But look at this. Look at verse, verse chapter 3, verse 6. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took off its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. And he ate with her, with her. It was not like the garden was so big. I'm just assuming. That she was not looking for Eve before she came, you know. Eve had already eaten. She said, ah, Eve, okay, let me just eat with you. No, with her. 
That means in taking responsibility as men, we cannot be emotional. There are decisions you have to stand your ground and say, this is what works. This is what the word of God says. This is what we're going to do in this house. Responsibility is big business to God. Look at this. Genesis chapter 3. Look at this. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man. I, I, I found this interesting. I'm still studying this. So if you find something else, come show me. But I found this interesting that at the point where man was being driven, Eve was not mentioned. So, uh, hey, guys, are you following me? I, I need you to take, I wish we had more people here tonight, but I need you to take this seriously. I believe that this is a word of God that will help you. We found God giving man charge of the garden. And God giving man a woman, a helper. The helper messes up, and when God was about to drive man out of the garden, he didn't even talk about Eve. Let's read it again. Let's read it again. Genesis 3, 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground for which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden. He drove out the man. He drove out the man. And funny enough, I'll read this again. Let's go back to that verse again. Verse... Um, Verse 23, please. Verse 23, look at this again. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken off. Now, when he tilled the ground, you observe what happened. God did not even say, because I have driven you out, stop working. Hello? Within the context of God's original creation, work. Now that there's a curse on the ground, still go back and work. So work has always been God's intention. Both in the will of God or outside of the will of God, you have to work. But how you work is where the difference is now. The attitude to work. I'll spend time to talk, to talk about this some other time. Because this one affects everyone. We need to have a stronger passion to work. But there is a balance there that I want to create. And that is where I want to also go to. So God comes to Adam and says, because you did not take responsibility, you bear the consequences. So when we do not take responsibilities as men, God is not going to look at our wives and say, oh, well, no, we are the ones to assume responsibility. That's why, listen to me, for those of you who are not married here, you cannot live like everybody else. I see young people and they say, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And in my mind, I'm looking at, who is this girl who is going to agree to marry this man? Because you can clearly see a man who does not want to assume responsibility. So God drove him out. I used to tell my friends way back in school, I said, our wives will be depending on us. We cannot afford to be callous. Our children will be depending on us. We cannot afford to be callous. Now, this is where I want to create the balance. Because some men also have gone to the extreme of abandoning families just to make money. All in the name of responsibility. Now, this is it. When God asked Adam, where are you? That question in that place was not a question of responsibility. It was a question of relationship. That's where the problem is. Because a man, listen, a man that assumes responsibilities without a relationship with God will use his responsibility as an excuse not to serve God. So when God says, Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking for his location. 
He wasn't asking for his job assignment. He was saying what happened to the fellowship we used to have. Because if that fellowship was intact, this would not have happened. So the biggest question we must answer as men is our relationship with God. This is a men's forum so we can be open. It is so sad that for some of us, our wives are the spiritual drivers of our home. For some of us, we don't even have a clue. We feel it's the women's responsibility. We can afford to even stay off services. We are not modeling for our children that the word of God is important. We're not modeling for our children that the worship of God is important. And the question to us tonight is in our relationship with God, where are we? Can you confidently say that you have a genuine active relationship with God that is enough to sustain your responsibility? That's the big question. I'll show you something. In Proverbs 20 verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man. That is where God interacts with man. God is, you see, God is not impressed by how much you make. That's between you and your family and the people you want to give. What is God impressed about? The quality of your spirit. So we have three classes of men. The first class of men, they go about their responsibility so strong, at the expense of their relationship. Some will even sacrifice family for money. Some will sacrifice friends for money. Some will sacrifice the worship of God for money. Number three, number two, we have those who will not assume responsibility. Their relationship with God is zero. Their sense of responsibility is zero. Number three, we have those who have a relationship with God and we have a, and they have a sense of responsibility. That is the new definition of who a man is in Christ. Your relationship with God is intact and you are up to your responsibilities. You might be out of job, you might not have a job, the money coming in might be very little for you, but you have to be responsible. Are you following what I'm saying? You cannot lay back. You have to be. You have to step out there. You have to make something happen. You have to trust God. You have to pray. You have to be an example to your children of the faith in God. Even when things are not going well. Let me show you something. Go to Genesis chapter 18 verse 19. This is going to be very short and I'm sure instructive. Then I would like us to interact, to ask a few questions. And then probably we can see how the Lord leads us from there. Genesis, what I said, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. Are you learning something? Okay, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. Look at this. For I had, he talked about Abraham, verse 18. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty man, nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. For I have known him. I want you to observe the word, known him. That means God was not talking, or God did not say, for I know him. Hello? Known. What does that imply? If I say, I have known Brother Matthew, I have known Brother John, what am I saying? Hey guys, come on, talk to me. What am I saying? There's a long-term relationship. Right? If I say, I have known you, it means I'm not just knowing you. It means, I knew you way back. And there have been consistent track records. Of whatever I'm going to say. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. Please, I want you to observe these words. Don't take them lightly. Like I said, always read the scriptures with details. That they keep the way of the Lord. He did not say, when I read this this afternoon, I was just thinking. He did not say, for I have known him. That he may command his children and his household after me. Is that what the Bible says? No. He says, I know that Abraham is going to command his children to follow him. That's powerful. I mean, he uses very strong words here. Number one, command. 
That means the worship of God in the house of Abraham was not optional. That means spiritual activities in Abraham's house was not optional. Look at this. He says, he's going to command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord. So you know what Abraham is going to say? Hey guys, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Just like Paul said. Are you a man, if your children were to follow you, will they follow the ways of God? I did a men's meeting like this some, some years back, but for younger men. And I asked them, how many of you want to be like your father? I was, I was ashamed. Very few hands went up. I want to beg you. We thank God for godly mothers. We thank God for spiritual women. We cannot raise a generation that sees spirituality as a women's business. Your children have never seen you throw your hands up in absolute worship to God. They've never seen you run to the church because you were late. They've never seen you with such a passion for God. And all you're concerned about is just your responsibilities. And God is asking, where are you when it comes to relationship? Because responsibility outside of relationship will just be the abuse of your divine potentials. And God asked him, look at what he said to Abraham, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And I want to say this, I believe that the way we live in relation to God affects some of the things that happen to our children. The scripture says, the seed of the righteous will not be forsaken. And the seed of the righteous shall be mighty upon the earth. Psalm 112. The way we live, it says, there are certain things I want to bring to pass in the life of Abraham. But it as he commands his children that this word will come to pass. But do you know why I think this, this works? You know, in the church, we have emphasized generational curses a lot. And we haven't emphasized generational blessings. But I also think that there are generational blessings. I think that children of God, your children can reap from your work with God. Because look at, you know why I say this, this is powerful? Because there are things that God has promised you that your children will be the ones to exhibit them. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. And as you lay that righteous foundation, as you, and I say this, listen, and I say this, that God is saying that Abraham is going to teach his children my ways so that the covenant of promise that I've given to Abraham, he will prepare a people before me that will cause that word to come to pass. That means the way we live in relationship to God determines how our children grow up and determines how ready they are to exhibit and execute the very promises that God has spoken to us. So what we are dealing with in terms of our relationship with God is not just for our own good. It is what opens the, 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 the portal for God's generational blessings to flow through our lives. Because if this had not happened, I'm just using this is, I mean, example. If this had not happened to Adam and Eve, where would Cain be giving birth to in the garden? Would that, you know, I'm just thinking outside of the Bible now. Would that have made any difference in his life? Absolutely. Do you think your children's life, there will be a difference if you were not committed to God? You know what I tell people? I tell people that you don't know how committed you, you are to God in terms of attending of local meetings if your children do not, if your children see you at home at the same time and they don't ask you, are we not going to church? You know, there are some of you in your house, your children don't even know church days. On Sunday, they think it's, it's time for swimming pool. And in your mind, you think, well, you are just resting. No, you're not. You're not. You're taking responsibility above relationship. There's something about having a relationship with God that will set your life in order. 
that will put things in order. There's no crisis you will not be able to overcome if your relationship with God is intact. I want, to pause, I want to pause to say this before I continue. I want to pause to say this. There's an alarming statistics going on. And, I'm, and I want us to watch it carefully. We see a lot of women taking more responsibility for homes than men. There will be a training course going on. You see more women you know, going for trainings, going for self-improvement courses, going for development of their self than men. We must not be comfortable with that. As a man, going into the year that we're entering, you must set up for yourself how you will become better. I was discussing with my wife yesterday night, and she was telling me, because I was telling someone, I, I was reviewing my finances this, this year, and I discovered that I didn't make very wise decisions with the money that came into my hands. So I said, what? So I saw uh, uh, an online course on finance, about maybe 20000 or so. So I paid for it three days. I'm learning a couple of things. And I knew I needed to improve something around my writing. So I paid for a course on punctuation and all that. And maybe about four or five courses that I'm currently doing. And so my wife was asking me, that, how are you going to cope with all of this? I said, it is better I put the stress on myself to improve myself now than get into next year with the same level of ignorance. You must look at yourself as a man and say, what do I need to learn? I'm not managing my money well. I'm indebted. I'm not managing the relationship with my wife well. I'm not managing the relationship with my children well. I'm not managing the relationship with my mentors well. What do I need to do to get that adjustment to become a better man? Not just because of what my wife would say. Right? But because in the beginning, God created me with a sense of responsibility. We always talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. I think it's time to also look for the Proverbs 31 man. A man that is godly. A man that is hardworking. A man that, you know, understands that he's here on assignment and understands the true meaning of, of, of the, the true understanding of meaning, value, and purpose. Two more scriptures and then we can begin to wrap up. David said something, Psalm 17 verse 15. Are you learning something this evening? Alright. Psalm 17 verse 15. David said something. He said, As for me, I will see your faith in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake up in your likeness. Or when I awake in your likeness. I want you to see something here about what gives David satisfaction. When I wake in your likeness. That David's ultimate satisfaction is his work with God. Remember, created man in his image and likeness. That's what should give you satisfaction. Your work with God. Your work with God. This idea of encouraging us to serve God, I don't know what the problem really is. You know, many years ago I asked a man, I said, you've not been very consistent in church. And you know what he told me? He said, will the church put food on my table? I said, no, sir. Sorry. Sorry, sir. I won't put food on your table. There's something about our relationship with God, brothers, that we must get together. You remember in Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 what Joshua said? He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't ask the wife what, you, what the wife thought. He didn't say, honey, are you sure we're going to serve the Lord? He didn't say, children, are you going to serve the Lord? Don't make serving God an optional thing for your household. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not optional. I don't feel like, no, you don't, it's not your feeling. Even the day you don't feel like is the day you will do it. Because this is not feeling. This is something we're building for the days ahead. Sometimes, and, and I want to encourage you, sometimes we give, last, last week, myself and my family, we gave something uh, to a ministry that has been the highest we've ever given in our life. I had to call my wife, call the children together, we prayed over it, we gave as a family. 
That's the way we have to train our children. That this thing is a walk. Are you following what I'm saying? This is not just enough. It's not something to satisfy our social conscience on Sunday. This is what gives us meaning when we are weak in His righteousness, our relationship with God. I'd like to close by, Luke, by reading Luke chapter 10, verse 14. Luke chapter 10, verse 14. I promised you I'm going to close by 6.30, so I want us to have like a couple of minutes for questions and answers. Luke chapter 10, verse 14. Luke 10, verse 40. Luke 10, verse 40. Whatever takes you away from the worship of God is aimed at your destruction. Because that's the key to your survival. That's the key to your overcoming. Luke chapter 10 and verse 40. Verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed them into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Was distracted. I want you to observe this. That our sense of responsibility can also become a sense of distraction. Are you following what I'm saying? Because it might be possible I'm just, this is anti-scriptural assumption now. It might be possible that Adam was focused on taking care of the garden, that he wasn't paying attention to what Eve was doing. That means he paid attention to his responsibilities more than instructions. And that's what God was clarifying to us here. He says, matter was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. But look at verse 39. The scripture says, Mary sought at Jesus' feet and heard his word. That doesn't look like a big thing. Now, I want to, uh, let's read this now and go. And Jesus answered and said to her, Matter, matter, you are worried and troubled about many things. Verse 42, but one thing is needed. Let me pause. Let me pause that. I really want to explain this verse. Let me pause that. Was serving God in terms of Jesus Christ there, of course we know food, right? Things. Was it a bad thing? Let's be honest. Was serving, that means Jesus just came to the house. Was serving Jesus a bad thing? What Martha was doing, was he a bad thing? Okay. So that means even doing good things at the expense of listening to the word of God can be wrong. So the issue here, listen carefully to this so you don't miss this. The issue here was not the issue of good and bad. The issue here was the issue of priority and importance. Because here was Jesus speaking and matter considered serving him more important than listening to him. And God says that order is wrong. That the order is you listen to me so you can know how to serve me. So we cannot put work. I told you about going to work. Don't run now and say, hey, we are in fact, we are working 27 hours a day. If you do that, you will burn out. You know what's going to happen to you? You will rise up early. And go to bed late. And do what? And eat the bread of sorrow. Because you know what happened here? Even though Adam was banished out of the garden. He was still going to work. But he was not going to work without the blessing. But in Genesis chapter 1 chapter 2. God blessed him and gave him an assignment. So we can work with the blessing. Or we can work outside of the blessing. Now. The work will never define us. What will define us is are we with the blessing or without the blessing? 
So in as much as we are taking responsibility, it is not the, at, at the expense of our spiritual life. Look at this. Look at this. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen. I want you to observe the word chosen. Now, if I say Mary has chosen, it means it's an act of will. That means as a man, you can choose to put God's word above every other thing else. Mary has chosen the good path, which will not be taken away from her. Saints, isn't it amazing that even God says, Hey, I can't stop Mary from listening to me to go save me. I prefer that she listens to me. For the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. How do we intend to please a God we don't have a relationship with? Isn't it amazing how many times men will come and say, I'm believing God, I'm trusting God, I'm hoping God will do this. And it's like crying to the unknown God. Because they don't even know the God that they call. So tonight, the big question God is asking us is where are you? In your relationship to me. And where are you in the responsibilities and the purpose and the assignment that I've given to you? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for challenging us. We're asking Father God that you will help us to rise up as men. Stay strong in our position of authority. Help us, O God, to develop closer and stronger relationship with you, in you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.